Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Links to all of our social medias uh, are in the descriptions to all of our episodes. We sure would appreciate it if you go over to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Still trying to get to 600 subscribers so that we can give away a couple of Thundercast <clears throat> shirts. So if you wouldn't mind taking a second, um, go down in the description of any episode, really, and find those links and just click them and, and subscribe to you know, anywhere you consume podcasts, but please, particularly on YouTube, uh, give us a give us a little help though, over there. And also, we haven't done this in a long time, Russ. How about sharing those links to the show with your friends and fellow herd fans? Uh, because hey, we kind of think we're the best thing going, so <laughs> you might as well let your fellow herd fans uh, get in on the fun too, and uh, so they can start interacting with us on social media and listening and watching the show. Russ, we've got a game to preview. The herd is going down to Atlanta to face Georgia State, and we're going to have all the details surrounding that game. But before we can get into this, cat, we've got to get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Jason and Matt are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who practice throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. They can't protect you from bad drivers, but they will make sure you're treated fairly by the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. All right, Herd and the Panthers. This is a big one in the Sunbelt East Division, as now all the games for the remainder of the season are going to be big games. Uh, Georgia State on the season, Russ, 4-1, and 1-1 one and one in conference. They started out 4-0 and oh until they ran into the Troy Trojans last weekend, and Finally caught themselves an L, and that's a bad one to take because, hey, that's a conference loss. Game's going down October the 14th, 7 p.m. at Center Park Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, for those of you folks that may not know, this is the former home of the Atlanta Braves. The baseball stadium's been converted into a football stadium for Georgia State. The game is actually on ESPN2, which somehow has flown under the radar this whole time for me. Uh, I thought it was oh, yeah. going to be like an ESPN Plus deal. and Nope. nope going to be on linear television again. Um, here's the weird thing. I was just looking at this. I usually don't do this, but for some reason it popped up there and I was checking it out. You can get tickets to this game for as cheap as $10, right? You can get mm -hmm. an end zone, or not an end zone seat, but a seat like up from the end zone, which would be like equivalent to like 128 or something like that for Marshall. Right on, right off the corner of the end zone for as little as ten bucks, and that seat is eleven rows up in the lower section. If you wanted to set on the fifty, you could you could get a seat for this game uh, in in lower level section one fifteen, which is basically right on the forty freaking seven yard line in the fourth row for under twenty bucks. That is mind boggling to me for a team of uh, a matchup of two four and one teams that's going to have a lot of you know, play here in the Sunbelt East Division. Russ, second all-time meeting between the Herd and the Panthers. Herd, of course, won last year in Huntington. One to nothing. Uh, that A game that really didn't bust open for the Herd until Kalen Laburn took that one, what was it, like 83 yards or something like that? Remember the safety was coming down on a blitz, busted the game wide open. Herd ended up winning 28-23. to What are you thinking about this one as we, you know, lead into what, – what, what does this one look like for you? There are some eerie similarities between these two teams, eerie similarities, which we're going to get into later. And it looks like there's going to be some strength on strength and some strength on weakness. So uh, where can we exploit and uh, capitalize and do what Troy did to put the only uh, dink into their armor uh, that they had going in? Well, hopefully this breakdown can kind of give us some <laughs> Some clues for that. Yeah. We kind of see things uh, the same at times, and, and oftentimes you might catch something that I don't catch and vice versa. So there, you're right, man. When you get into the numbers and you look at what these teams are doing, there's a lot that they are very, very eerily similar. Hmm. You know, the, the, even just the way they look is eerily similar 
at times. But for me, it's a couple of bullet points, right? This is number one, the biggest bullet point for this game, but it's not really the game per se. It is because of where it falls on the schedule. But now, Marshall's essentially playing for a championship every week because any loss could knock you out of playing for a Sunbelt Conference championship. So, here we are, you know, sixth six game of the season, and the championship season has fully started, right? And number two, this is the also the official start of the gauntlet of the next six games. And uh, four of those are going to be on the road. It is not going to get easy at all. It's going to get really tough. This is where you look at that NC State game and you go, okay, well, if you're going to take a loss, take that loss because nothing is affected in the Sunbelt Conference standings with a loss to NC State. But you also will look at that and think, all right, hopefully they figured some things out and um, maybe re-pissed re off. I don't know if you heard Coach Huff or watched his post-game presser. He taught, I think Luke asked how did the guys respond, and, and Huff flat out said they're pissed off because they think they let that game get away. They didn't get beat. They let that game get away. So you go uh, at Georgia State this week, then you're home on the Thursday night against James Madison. Huge game. Then it's back-to-back -back on the road, Coastal Carolina and App State. You're home against Georgia Southern, who's doing really well. And then you're on the road to South Alabama. That's your six-game gauntlet. We don't know what Arkansas State's going to look like by the end of the season. That's the finale for the herd at home. But right now, they're I don't know what they are, right? I don't even think they know what they are. So these next six games are really the make-or-break portion of the season, without a doubt. Power Index, Power Index, coin flip for the herd, Russ. 51.5% chance to win for Marshall on the road. All right, I don't really know what to think about that. Uh, Georgia State is minus one with an over-under of 55 points, so you're thinking, well, Vegas likes it as about a 28-27 to 27 game for the Panthers to edge out this home win. Now, we're going to talk about some of these eerie similarities. I'm going to move right into these players, and then we're going to get into the numbers. Offensively, it starts with quarterback Darren Granger. He was really good last year. He's even better this year in some aspects of his game. Number three, the six foot four, 225-pound senior. He's 92 out of 134 on the season. Nearly 69% completion percentage for 1,187 yards, seven touchdowns through the air, only two interceptions, and he's only been sacked four times on the season. He's also the team's second leading rusher, 58 total carries for 288 yards to the good, three more touchdowns on the ground, and as long in the season, 65 yards. So guess what? That's one of those weaknesses that we keep seeing for Marshall, and Granger's a guy that can take to the house on you. Number 23, running back Marcus Carroll, 5'10", 210-pound senior, 115 carries on the season, 583 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground, good for 5.1 yards per carry. No, he's not a ridiculously vaunted receiving threat, but he can move the chains on you. He's fifth on the team in receiving yards, 10 receptions on the year for just 88 yards, but dude, that's 8.8 .8 yards per reception. Number one, uh, we're going to do two wide receivers here. Number one, Robert Lewis, 5'11", 185-pounder. He's a junior, leads the team with 26 receptions, also leads the team with 500 yards and five touchdowns through the air, 19.2 yards per reception. And lastly, before I get into the overall team stats, number 16 wide receiver, Talik Williams, 5'9", 177-pound junior, 15 catches on the year for 268 yards, two touchdowns through the air, which accounts for all of Granger's seven touchdowns, by the way. 17.9 yards per reception. Hmm. What do you think before I start talking about yardages and rankings and stuff? Got a little bit on uh, pass, run, and catch. So uh, let's start off with Granger. Everyone has talked about how good he is, and let's go over these stats and then compare them to our guy, Cam Fancher, uh, you got 1,187 yards on 68.7% for Granger. Fancher is at 1,205 yards on 66.9%. Uh, seven touchdowns to two interceptions for uh, Granger and six touchdowns, five interceptions for Fancher. They are similar in they are elusive. They can avoid sacks. Fancher has shown that he is inaccurate at times. He's inconsistent at times, which we've talked about. But the potential between the two of these, they look very, very, very similar. Uh, they have a lot of similar stats. 
it looks like uh, the difference may be in the receiving core between the two of them, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. And as stated, Cam has thrown a couple of balls that have been ill-advised into double, triple coverage or whatever, and he's got more interceptions. The only interceptions that Granger has thrown, both of them came in that last game. So Mm -hmm. he throws an interception, and he lost. He doesn't throw an interception, and he wins. And what is Troy kind of known for defensively? Pressure from the defensive line. So that tells me if you can force Granger off his spot, if you can make him hurry, he may throw the ball up to you. And we've seen Marshall be able to come down with a lot of those balls this year. You know, so Which we'll get into down here. Right. I've, I've got some stats on that that can back up exactly what you were saying. Yeah, I know um, you do. I mean, that's a knee jerk reaction for me, right? Because yeah. I don't have those stats. I didn't write that down. No, but that, that's I, one of those like, OK, you get pressure on him. Maybe he's not as good under duress. Most quarterbacks aren't. Right. But if you can't get to him, you give him time to pick you apart. Well, he's going to pick you apart. No, you're you're spot on with what what will play out here later when we talk about defense and then uh, matchup stats. Uh, moving on over running back. Mirror images right now between, uh, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Marcus Carroll. Marcus Carroll. Yeah, I don't have it on here. Uh, Oh, it's up there. Marcus Carroll and Rasheen Ali. Listen to this. Both at 5.1 yards per carry. Both with nine touchdowns. Longest runs. Carroll 63, Ali 61. The only difference is Carroll has just a little more carries on the year uh, he's got 583. Flip a couple of those numbers for 538 for Ali. Mm-hmm. Very similar. If we're talking about how great uh, Granger is, and you know we're just a step behind there on interceptions and such with Fancher, and we're talking about how great Ali is, and look, it looks like a mirror image on stats over there with Carroll. Again, looks like a toss-up. So over on receiving what we were talking about, you just you mentioned that there, Robert Lewis, 500 yards, 26 receptions, 19.2 per catch, and five of their seven touchdowns. He has a long of 97, which was in that Troy game. Uh, or maybe it wasn't the Troy game. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at his game log. Talik Williams uh, has the other two touchdowns. He has a long of 78. 15 receptions for 268 yards, 17.9. If you can take those two guys out of the equation, they still spread the ball around, but not many yards and no touchdowns. Yeah, it's 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 a two-person threat, it appears like, from the through the air, because there's only one other receiver on this Georgia State roster that has even over 100 yards on the season, and that's uh, Jakari Carter. So it's if you can manage to take away or mitigate what Lewis and Williams are able to do, which, by the way, you can't put all of your eggs into this basket, but you're looking at five foot eleven and five foot nine. So it's not that 50-50 ball guy that's six three, six four. You know, remember they had the they had Jamari Thrash last year who really absolutely had a great game against the herd in Huntington. And then he transferred, I believe he went to Coastal. Uh, but you know, that huge weapon for them is gone, and they had to have a couple guys step up. They have had those guys step up, but if he's if if he if you can mitigate even what one of those guys is able to do, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot more success than you were than uh, than otherwise. I'm thinking Jamari Thrash went to Louisville. He may have. I thought they. Um, I thought somebody went from Georgia State to to uh, Coastal. Maybe I'm just thinking of somebody else. I don't know. Thrash might have went to Louisville. I don't know. I, I'm I'm fairly certain that Jamari Thrash was on uh, Louisville when I watched the he, he Louisville NC State game. I mean, I'm I'm not. I don't have the greatest memory in the world, but it, you know. it'll be the only mistake you ever made on. <laughs> well, this it's show. been a couple of weeks, so I was due. <laughs> I might as well make Georgia State fans roll their eyes and go, "Geez, these guys don't do their research at all." But no, I'd like everyone to try to keep track of the thousands of players that go into the portal and go elsewhere. You know, we're not a hundred percent here, but that's all right. You know, I, whatever. So let's talk about some overall rankings and, and some stats of what the what these guys do as a team. Here's the deal where we can start now getting into trends, okay? On the season, this Georgia State offense is averaging 31 points per game, which looks really good. Um, But on their last two, they're averaging just 12 points per game, right? That's a seven-point output against Troy, and I think it was, was it, maybe 17 points or something against Coastal. I mean, they're trending downward, and and this is a Sunbelt Conference 
you know, that we're into now. So maybe they don't match up as well as they did against some of those teams in the out of conference. They had 30 against Coastal. They oh, and then it was, wait, it's, it was, uh, I'm sorry, it's not Coastal. They beat Coastal. That's, that's 30, my fault. 30 to 17. Yeah, so yeah. here's what it is, 42 to 35, 35 to 14, 41 to 25, 30 to 17, and then a loss, 28 to 7. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's right. only this game has kind of brought them down below. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll I tell you what I did. I looked at Coastal's output and added it to yeah. uh, Georgia State. So anyway, they're still trending down a little bit now in the past week or so. And what does that tell me? If Marshall can get it right, if Marshall can soundly tackle, play good coverage, then they have an opportunity to keep that trend alive. Now, the herd over that point, over that same uh, two-week period is allowing 38 points per game. It's a big offensive output against Old or, uh, Old Dominion had a big offensive output, and then, of course, NC State had a big offensive output. Yards per game on the season, um, Georgia State's a, a gaining 411 yards per game. The Herd's allowing just 349, so you're not too, too far off in, in those aspects. 174 yards per game on the ground for the Panthers, 237 through the air, whereas the herd is allowing 182 yards per game on the ground. Those chunk plays are absolutely killing Marshall. And, of course, 300 and some yards against Old Dominion ain't helping either. And then 167 yards through the air. Uh, time of possession, Georgia State not very good. 114th in the country with just over 27 minutes uh, of possession per game. The herd, by the way, number 16 in the country in time of possession with over 32 minutes per game. And you mentioned they're just very, very good uh, and very, very, or very, very similar to Marshall offensively. Do you have any other notes here that you want to talk about? All right, let me have Yeah, I got some team stats and rankings here, and a lot of it you just said some of them, but I've got the rankings with them. Marshall's offense, 31.6 in the country. That's good for 50th. And Georgia State, 31.0, as you mentioned, that's tied for 56. So both of them are right neck and neck here. Uh, obviously, Marshall is trending up. Georgia yeah. State's trending down. Yeah. Defensively, Marshall's giving up 26 a game, even over those last two games. And they are tied for 70th. And Georgia State is giving up 23.8, tied for 56. So still looks very, very similar uh, of a... 31 to 24, 31 to 26 kind of game. Uh, you've also got here total yards. Um, Georgia State's defense is giving up 402.8 a game. That is 100 out of 133. Marshall's giving up 350.6. That's 48. So yardage, we have the better defense. Scoring-wise, they have the better defense. And on offense, they're neck and neck, 411.4 for Georgia State. That's 57th. And 413.6, that's 54th for Marshall. So where is the difference here? Georgia State's defense is 125th out of 123 or 133, giving up 300.6 passing yards per game. Mm -hmm. So they are susceptible to the pass, not so much to the rush. 21st in the nation, only giving up 102.2, and that's after Troy got him for 156 last week. Yeah. So we are giving up a lot more. We were known last year for having that great uh, defensive front, 156 yards, tied for 64th in the nation on the ground. Or wait, I'm sorry, that's our, our rushing, our defense rushing is 183.2, 111th in the country. We are getting killed so far on the ground, which a lot of that came in that Old Dominion game, of course, but we have had big runs in just about every game against us. So a lot of similarities, but there are a couple of outliers, especially passing against Georgia State. Well, if you listen to Huff's postgame presser, and they talked about I think again, it was it was Luke Creasy that asked the question: Did they feel like they had to kind of go away from the the run in NC State? And Huff responded. He said, "We went away from the run on Sunday because we knew they were really good at the run, and and the pass was a huge part of their game plan." I feel like it's going to be a very, very, very similar approach this week because he mentioned it. He said, "Well, you've got a quarterback that can spin it pretty good." Talking about Cam, and Cam has proven over the last two weeks that he can 
pass the football, and he can rack up yardage. Now, when we did the NC State recap, I pointed out that the past two weeks, Cam has had his uh, two of his top three passing performances, but his overall top two passing performances of his career have both resulted in martial losses. So how does that translate to this one? We don't know, because he could go out there and throw for 400 yards and you know, have five touchdowns, but he could also go out there, pass, have uh, 50 pass attempts, be sub 50%, three interceptions, and you just don't know how it's going to play out. But it does feel like that the pass is going to be emphasized a little bit more. And he talked about, Huff, he talked about, you know, speaking to Ali going into that NC State game and saying, hey, there might not be a whole lot of opportunities for huge plays. You may have to go out and get that tough four yards that are at tough five yards, and you'll have opportunities to maybe get that 10, 11, 12-yard run. But if you're thinking you're going to go set the world on fire, it's probably not going to happen. And I don't know that it'll be necessarily the same this week, but it will be similar this week because Georgia State's really good against the run and not so good against the pass. So let's talk about some of the guys that are going to be trying to thwart what Marshall's doing offensively. A couple of linebackers, a couple of safeties that we're going to feature. And uh, one of these guys, Huff actually spoke about too. Now, these, you know, generally, if you're watching post games and, or, you know, what press conferences, Coaches and, and other players rarely now use a player's name. They always use the jersey number. Uh, so Huff uh, uh, actually mentioned jersey one, you know, number one, and that's for good reason. It starts with him. Number one linebacker, John Trey Hunter, six foot two, 240 pound senior, leads the team in total tackles with 38, 21 of which are solo, also leads the team. Two forced fumbles and three passes defended. Number 48, another linebacker, Justin Abraham, six foot one, 233. He's a junior. 32 total tackles on the season, 19 of those solo. He does have a sack and another forced fumble for this Panthers defense. Number six, safety Jeremiah Johnson, five foot 11, 192 pounds, also a senior. 31 total tackles, 23 of those solo, one sack, one forced fumble, and two fumble recoveries. And to round it out, a second safety, number 21, uh, Taji Leach, 5'11", 207-pound senior, 30 total tackles, 18 of those solo, one interception, and a pass defended. All four of those guys are the only four guys on this Panthers defense that have at least 30 tackles. But it tells me they don't handle, they don't, need one guy, so to speak, to handle the lion's share of their defensive duties. No slight against Old Dominion. They play really good defense, but you see game in and game out, Henderson has 15, 16, 17 tackles a game. Right, He's in everywhere. Well, this is not the style of defense that it looks like Georgia State plays. And in fact, Huff says they stress you in different ways. We're not expecting a huge pass rush, a lot of sacks. So it tells me Cam should have time to pass the ball. He said they stress you differently. It's not about the pass rush and creating sacks for Georgia State. Something to keep an eye on. You did mention uh, a lot of those uh, yardage stats and stuff like that. But I want to talk about the impact plays. I love to you know, kind of bring that all full circle here. On the season, this Panthers defense, 10 total sacks, not a lot, two per game, uh, five interceptions, good for about one a game, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, 12 passes defended, and they do have one defensive touchdown, which was a pick six. So they do stress you in different ways, right? They're creating turnovers, not necessarily getting sacks. You mentioned them allowing 402 yards per game and 300 yards through the air. That is kind of scary. The Herd's gaining 413 yards per game offensively, a little bit more pass heavy than rush heavy for the Herd this year. You know, almost 260 yards a game for the Herd. This is kind of one of those what we do good, they don't do so well type scenarios you were talking about. They have been allowing 26.4 points per game on the year, but 29 over the last, no, not 29, 17 and 7, what was that? 24, 24 12 and a half points 20, per game over no, 12 never mind i give up um 31 points per game for the herd this season but 41 in the last two against old dominion and nc state so trending in the right direction as far as points and yards go for the herd how will it translate against these guys from atlanta what russ what do you think well, we've got, uh, again, we've got some strength on strength in some places, and we've got some weakness on weakness in some places. And let's start out with the sacks. We are uh, tied for eighth in the country 
getting 3.6 sacks a game. However, they are tied for 12th, only giving up 0.8 sacks per game. Right. So strength on strength, who's going to budge? Are we going to get back there to Granger and, and give him some sacks? Hard to tell. Uh, on the flip side of the sacks, you mentioned they're getting two a game. That's tied for 77th in the country. We are giving up 1.6, and that rocketed up after giving up six during the last game against that very good front seven of NC State. But we're still tied for 45th in the nation, only giving up 1.6 a game. Uh, something that is a key for me is how both teams perform on third down. I don't know if you're knowing what's coming, but. Um, Marshall on offense for third down, they are getting a conversion only 30.4% of the time. That is 126th in the nation. However, Georgia State gives up the conversion 48.1% of the time, which is 123rd in the nation. Mm -hmm. So what we do bad, they're also bad at it. <laughs> um Third down, however, on the flip side, when Georgia State has the ball, they are converting at a 50.7% clip, 12th in the nation, but yep. we are only giving up the conversion 23.9% of the time, good for fifth. So extreme strength on extreme strength, extreme weakness on extreme weakness, and they both happen to be on third down. That's going to be something to watch. I can't wait to see what the stats are for that when we do the recap after this game. Yeah, that's a scary, weird third down set of stats. I mean, it's so wild that it's good on it's really good on really good and kind of bad on kind of bad. It's not so, no, it's it's almost abysmal on abysmal. Yeah, really. And then the other the other notes that I've got there on uh, these general team stats, which I like to do, is I like to point out how these teams get their first downs. Georgia State, by the way, has had 101 on the season. And again, really even. 45 have come on the ground. 47 have come through the air, and they've had nine by way of penalty. And speaking of penalties, they're good for six, about six and a half penalties a game for only 54 yards a game. Pretty disciplined team. Not too bad. Marshall's kind of in that same general wheelhouse. You know, we... We, we kept it pretty clean against um, NC State. And really, we would have had a distinct edge if uh, we wouldn't had that little dust up against uh, with Logan Osborne, you know, after the kind of a shady little hit on Cam, which uh, I said in real time I had no problem with. You've got to be able to stand up for your guy and do that. And fans, for some reason, disagreed with that take, even though we ended up converting and it was a non-factor. But that's a tone setter. You just have to do that. You have to do that. Um, here's what I think. Marshall will be able to move the ball, without a doubt. They will be able to move the ball on this defense. Can they punch it in for touchdowns in the red zone? Will they have to settle for field goals? That's the big indicator for me on offense. Number two, can this defense stop that big play that we've seen all year long? I don't know, right? And, and I keep saying it and, and it, and it holds true here. It's, it happens until it doesn't happen, you know? And I know that kind of sounds lame, but how can you say it goes away if you keep seeing it every, every week? Yeah. It's almost the opposite of the bend don't break. We've been breaking and yeah. then been a, a rock wall, except yeah. for those, uh, except for those breaks. We've been shutting them down except for the touchdowns, the yeah. long touchdowns. That's exactly what it is. It, there is no bend. It's yeah. it's stop or break. That's yeah. what it is. It's the two huge extremes, and there's no middle. And you know, eliminating a, playing complimentary football one would be huge. Eliminating that turnover, or you know, take holding on to the football a little bit better, and and you know, not setting up a defense or but whatever is is. They know. We know. It's just got to fix. It's got to be fixed. And I've got some uh, first down stats here too because you brought it up. Um, they got 102 first downs on the year. That's only 105th. Uh, so they are scoring a lot, but they're not getting a lot of first downs. That shows that big play potential, which is kind of scary given what we just said. However, we have only given up 75 first downs, sixth in the nation mm -hmm. so far. But again, that plays into it because we're giving up a lot of points, but not a lot of first downs. So that just shows you we're stopping people, but they have long touchdown plays against us. Uh, the stats don't lie. We've got uh, first downs for us. We've gotten 114 tied for 74th in the nation, and they have given up 101 42nd in the nation. So again, kind of strength on weakness, strength on weakness. 
And the other thing is the red zone breakdown. On offense, Marshall's getting 81 point or 81% uh, uh, conversions. They have eight rushing for passing and five field goals in the red zone. They're 17 out of 21. That's tied for 83rd in the nation. Mm-hmm. Listen at Georgia State on defense, 64.7%, two, five, and four on rushing, passing, and field goals. That's 11 out of 17, 10th in the nation and stopping in the red zone. So that can play uh, here as well, 83.3 for Georgia State, 9-2-4, and four, 15 out of 18, tied for 65th. Again, that's not too terribly far off of what we are. And then 78.6 for us on stopping, 2-5-4, and four, 11 out of 14, 49 uh, in the nation on red zone defense. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't take away what these guys are doing because they actually went out and played and, and, and you know, put these stats up, right? So you can't just discount it. But what I will say is Marshall has played a far tougher schedule earlier on than, than uh, at least in the out-of-conference, than Georgia State did. They were able to get Coastal, and they did that by basically shutting down the run game of Coastal Carolina, and they just did not allow Grayson McCall to light them up through the air. He still went for 245 and a touchdown, but it wasn't 245 and four touchdowns. You know what I mean? So, the, you know, their other wins this season are against FCS Rhode Island, which was the opener, a one-win UConn team, and a one-win Charlotte team. Right. And they on the heels of that, they got coastal and then they ran into Troy and Troy basically, you know, 28 to seven. That's a pretty convincing win, you know, and, and that one that one happened. Jeez, that one was where was that in Alabama? That was in um, Georgia as well. So, you know, they 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 got handled pretty, pretty, pretty well at home. So what Georgia State team is going to show up? Is it the one that beat coastal or is it the one that, you know, is just took an L at the hands of. Uh, Troy, the last guy I want to feature is their kicker because he's pretty good. He's a freshman. Uh, Liam Rickman, six foot, 222, five of five on field goals with a long of 46 and perfect on extra points, 20 out of 20. So, you know, if this comes down to a game of kicks, Verhoff's gotten it great, gotten it right the past couple of games. He's really settled into that role and is being more consistent. But this kid's been consistent all year long, so I'm not sure I want to see it come down to kicks. I have faith in Reese Verhoff to do his job when called upon, right? But it would make me feel better as a Herd fan if it just doesn't come down to that, right? I would rather our guys just go out and take care of business. I I said this in the lead-in a couple of days ago. You got to go to Atlanta and just leave no doubt that you're a better team. That's it. You got to go down there and prove, hey, no offense, we're better than you, and we're going to win this game convincingly and show, you know, that we should have beaten NC State. That one got away from us. We, we just couldn't overcome all of our mistakes, but we're ready and primed for this Sunbelt Conference slate to make a run. Russ, what are you, let's get some keys to victory. What do you got for number one? Uh, number one, I've got that we've got to create turnovers on Granger. As I mentioned, the only loss that they've had this year, he uh, coughed it up four times. He recovered, or one of those uh, fumbles were recovered, but he lost a fumble and two interceptions, and they lost 28-7. to He got rattled, and I think that that's what you have to do is get some turnovers on him, take him out of his game. Yeah, it feels like that. Uh, my number one key to victory, I believe, is going to be eliminate the chunk plays on defense. That's what yep. it is. If you're if you're break or hold, <laughs> I'd rather you just not break. You know, we we know that there's probably going to be some schematic things that will put them in a position to get a big play here and there. You got to know for 100% certainty that you're going to see the zone read to the to the left side of the line probably early on, so you better be ready for that, and you better make the damn tackle and, and not throw an arm at somebody running by you because it's just proven disastrous for Marshall this whole season. But Huff also mentioned that Granger is an improved quarterback from last year. He's now a a not an athlete, just being an athlete that's a, that's a quarterback. He's playing the quarterback position. And what he means by that and what he said was he's now going through his reads. He's going through his progressions. He's finding the open man. So he's playing quarterback. So there are going to be opportunities for him to find spaces in the herd pass uh, secondary. And there are probably going to be running lanes when the coverage is good. So you're going to have to be able to eliminate those chunk plays. That to me is the single biggest 
key to victory for Marshall because, hey, we, we turned the ball over three times, not counting two stops on fourth down against NC State, and we almost won that game. So this week, it's not the turnovers as much as the chunk plays. What's your number two? Well, it wasn't my number two, and I don't have these ranked, but it was exactly what you said is you have to stop those big plays that you give up on defense. And it seems like not as much of being out of position. It seems to me like being too aggressive or over-pursuing. And that's from going back and watching, and I'm, you know, disclaimer, I am not a head football coach. I'm not a defensive coordinator. I'm not any kind of coach whatsoever. But it just seems to me like we have over-pursued because we have such an aggressive, uh, speedy, attacking defense. So, just maybe a little more patience. I don't know. Coaches hopefully do. The players hopefully do. But we've got to eliminate those big plays. Yeah. Uh, number two for me is I think the herd has to win first and second down on both offense and defense. Marshall has been terrible on third down on offense. And generally it's because we're in a third and medium to third and long. Now there have been times we've been third and two, third and one made a bonehead call, and it bit us in the ass, right? So if you learned anything from NC State, it's when you're in third and short, don't get cute, don't get creative, convert the damn ball, convert the damn third down, and live for another series, right? If, if that's what you want to do. Now, yeah, you can tell me, well, but KD, if it works, then it looks great, and you're, and you're you know, um, really happy about the play call and yada, yada, yada. Well, I'm not, I'm not there right now. It, it, we're not built that way, it doesn't seem like, at least through this part of the season, at least up until this point. If you're third and one, line up and get the damn yard, right? And let's start it all over at first and ten and do it again, all right? But on defense, you've, it feels like you've got to win that first and second down, keep them in third and long, you know, that third and long medium, six, seven, and then third and long, because our defense is really great on third down, but theirs is really good on third down. So the longer the conversion the tougher it is for them to be able to pick it up. So win first and second down on both sides of the ball for the herd. What you got number three? I've got uh, that we can't leave points on the board, and in doing so, we need to convert those points in the red zone, make the most of our opportunities that we get. If you get down there, it, it would be better to come away with seven than three, and three instead of zero. Obviously, I'm not telling anybody watching or listening what they don't know, but when you look at our red zone percentage, we are leaving points on the board. So we definitely have to convert and maximize those red zone attempts. Yeah, I I would definitely concur with that. It it feels like red zone opportunities are really going to be magnified in this game. It just feels that way. I don't know for whatever reason, but it does feel that way. Number three for me, this is a, yes, it's a turnovers type deal, but it's, Catch the ball, secure the ball, then make a move with the ball, right? Ball security is is big. We saw it bite us a couple of times, uh, both fumbles from our receivers and on our quarterback. So if, if it's a pass play, receiving, catch the ball, secure the ball, then worry about making a move. If you can only get seven, get seven, right? Let's not kill ourselves by trying to stretch for that extra yard. I know situationally sometimes you want to do that. Third and, third and eight, you run a six-yard route, you need to get that other two yards. My question would be, why are you running a six-yard route when it's third and eight? That's neither here nor there. But it's just take care of the football, right? Protect the football. If we do that, we don't fumble the ball three times against NC State. You know, yes, we recovered one. But if we don't fumble the ball two times, hey, we might be singing a different tune right now. But unfortunately, we did. So ball security is number one or number three for me this week. How about you? What's your last one? I've got more than just this one. But my fourth one is to contain Granger. Uh, I didn't say stop Granger. I said contain Granger. Against Troy, he still had 193 yards through the air and 25 on the ground. Those aren't shocking numbers, but it, it was decent that a lot of quarterbacks would love to have against a Troy defense when they're only scoring seven points against that defense. So I think that we need to contain him similarly. Don't allow him to beat us with his legs. Keep him to that two to under three, definitely under 2.5 kind of rushing uh, on the on the game and uh, keeping him under the 200 yards uh, through the air. We have to contain him and do not let his dual threat abilities kill us. Yeah, it does feel like if you can somehow keep Granger from under 300 total yards, 
and, and be able to get to him a couple of times. As, as, as much as points in the red zone feels like a big deal, and I know you don't rank these, that also feels like a really huge deal. Just keeping mm-hmm. that dude uncomfortable all game long it feels like, yeah, man. I mean, I know that's kind of football 101 stuff, but sometimes these football 101 things are more important in certain games, and these matchups feel like if you can neutralize Granger, He's going to get his yards. He's going to make his plays. But if you can minimize those, dang, man, you know, you could be looking at that 28 to 7 or better output. I mean, hell, let's not forget Marshall put up 41 against NC State, a really, really good defense. Yes, one was a pick six, but still, those points are on the board. Number four for me is one I generally find that comes to fruition once or twice a season. And it's something I call the fifth quarter, I used to call it the hidden 10 minutes, but now I think it's a little bit more than 10 minutes worth of game time. I think Marshall's got to win the fifth quarter. And the fifth quarter for me is usually the last half of the second quarter and the first half of the third quarter. But that's not really what's been killing Marshall. That portion of the game is not where they've seen struggles. So my fifth quarter in this one is the last half of the third quarter, first half of the fourth quarter. Right, That 15 minutes of the game where it has felt like Marshall has been sleepwalking on offense a couple of times. There have been uh, the, 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 the instances of you know a three and out and then followed by a opposing touchdown. Right, it's, It always seems to be occurring there. And I might be missing it by a minute or two here, but that last half of the third quarter, first half of the fourth quarter, I think is really honestly, if everything else goes the way we think a normal game goes – that's the portion of the game where Marshall has kind of let it kind of slide this season. I think that winning that 15 minutes of game time will be massively huge for the herd in this one. Who's your MVP this week? MVP, I'm going with Ali again. Any any particular I, reason why? I mean, I'm, I'm going to set you up here. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking because we're facing a team that's really good at stopping the run. That's right. right. That's why. And uh, they are giving up right over 100 yards, 102.2. And I feel like if he can get 150 or, you know, pick up, get back to those Ali numbers where even if he's only getting 95 yards, 93 yards, he's getting three touchdowns, two touchdowns. I feel like that's going to be the difference maker that I already feel like we should be able to move the ball through the air on them. So if we could do what they're not expecting, Troy put 156 on them and really helped control that offense uh, uh, output on on uh, them, racking up 28 points to their seven by getting 156 on the ground. So I think if Ali can do that, he's going to be the difference maker in this game. He'll be the MVP. So that's a good pick. And let me say this. Also, I picked up from Huff's presser. Somebody asked him about injuries, and he said everybody – that is able to go, will go. That means, you know, we saw Ali out in the second half a lot against mm-hmm. NC State. Apparently, he's not dinged up bad enough to miss time in this one, so that's a go. Cade Conley should make a return for this one. So everybody that Huff said suffered a some sort of an injury, even minor, uh, they're all a full go. He actually even said Conley wanted to go against NC State, but they made the choice to protect the player and let him get healthy as opposed to trot him out there and maybe have something worse happen to him. So hats off to Coach Huff, hats off to that training staff for player safety and the and his own personal welfare goes in front of playing in a football game. Shout out to them for that. That's big, you know, because Cade Conley's been a huge weapon for the herd. It would have been really easy to go, all right, you're a go, you're good, go in there. So everybody should be back to full strength. Uh, well, I don't know full strength, but good enough to go. There should be no scratches for the herd offensively, defensively, or on special teams for this one. Should not bode well for the Georgia State Panthers. I bet you there are a few guys that they would like to see not dress for the herd. But I'm going to go with Cam Fancher because he's had the hot hand two weeks in a row with two teams that look very, very similar. This looks like a, a, a quarterback showdown. Of sorts. Cam Fancher versus Darren Granger. Of the two similarly built, similarly producing quarterbacks, who's going to have the better game? And it's going to be tougher for Cam because he's on the road. It's always tougher on the road, right? If the turnovers go away, if the bad interception, the toss into uh, triple coverage goes away, this could be that breakout game for Cam Fancher. This could be that 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing game for Cam Fancher. Right. And I I think it's he needs that. He's played really well, but there are still those folks that don't believe he's the guy. 
And if he's able to do this, go on the road, Georgia State, four and one, put up 400 and some yards of total offense, three, four, five touchdowns, I don't know how you argue against it. He's been well, I don't really know well. how you argue either, but I don't know how you can argue and say that he's not a D1 quarterback and we have people saying that. And I feel like, too, he could go down there and throw for seven touchdowns of 500 yards and somebody say, ah, he finally got one, but he's still not a good quarterback. And that has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with the commenter. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what he could do at this point uh, that someone would say, well, he did it this game, but look at all the games that he hasn't. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I don't know what you're going to do except for I talked enough about that sort of rhetoric and talk last week that I just that I don't feel like anything's ever going to shut him up <laughs> except for putting somebody else in there and letting them see that maybe, you know, they had it better uh, with Cam in there, and that's not a knock on anybody. It's just everybody else is untested and unknown. Yeah, I'll I'll put it this way. Everyone uh, and their mother last year was hollering before Cam even came in that uh, Zamora should be the guy to come in and let's get Columbia out and put Zamora in. Well, Zamora transferred out of here and went to a Division II school, which, by the way, he has not thrown a single pass for because he did not win the starting job at a Division II school in Tennessee. So if anyone is looking for a – man, this should be the guy, this should be the guy, and you haven't seen him play, that ought to be exhibit A for you right there. You don't know what you got until you see it in there, and we haven't seen it in there. Every one of us want every single quarterback to succeed, but we want the best player and the best opportunity to win to be on that field. Yep, that's true. And if you look at this overall, it's it really is <clears throat> looks like a matchup of uh, a showdown of quarterbacks, but yep. it's also a showdown of running backs. Mm -hmm. And it's also a showdown of a couple of linebackers mm -hmm. and a showdown of a couple of safeties. So yeah. this it's it's weird how similar these teams are, who's producing for these offenses and defenses, and how similarly we're doing the same thing. It's 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 pretty wild. But give me Cam this week. I like the hot trend to continue. Um, I just don't know. I, I really would like to see him, you know, get over that three hundred yard mark or right around that three hundred yard passing mark, but win. You know, we need to see that trend break and him get a win with a high passing output. What's your score this week? Man, I've gone back and forth so many times. <laughs> I think I'm going with a 35-31 uh, herd victory. I still feel like that we have some issues to work out. Now, I hope I'm dead wrong and we hold them to seven or shut them out and we have that defensive performance like we had last year. It just seems like we're still a little bit away on that maybe a little too dinged up, maybe not playing as a team on defense yet. We've got a lot of great individual players out there, but maybe not playing that team ball how everyone was last year to knowing who's uh, got the coverage on the rotation on and off. And if I come up here, who's going to be over the top, that sort of thing. So give me 35-31. Our offensive output continues, but our defensive woes are not put to bed just yet. Yep, I'm kind of in line. 31 to 24, Hurd gets it done on the road, barring a defensive score, right? I think 31 points by way of offense and special teams feels kind of right. That's kind of what we're doing right now. Uh, yeah, we've we had a, 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 a nice output against Old Dominion. Yeah, we had a nice output against NC State, but you can't always rely on that defensive score. It feels like we're also about ready for a big special teams play to happen. Punt return, kick return, something. It just, it's been brewing. Jaden Harrison has been right freaking there the past couple of weeks. It just feels like something's about ready to bust loose. And it also feels like we are due for that sack fumble that Marshall really benefited from several times last year. So, barring a defensive score or a special team score, give me 31 to 24. Hurd takes care of business. Remains undefeated in the Sunbelt Conference and looks toward a Thursday night showdown against James Madison. Russ, do you have any final words? I do. I, I had one. I didn't want to interrupt you after you moved on, but I had a fifth uh, key to victory that I have to talk about. I feel like we have got to have a step up from the receiving core. And I don't mean one individual. I mean all of them. We've had drops in some games that have limited our first downs uh, because, again, 
first drive of the game, NC State hit Coombs on a slant, and it's right in his hands, and he was four to five yards past the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That made it a punt situation. Uh, we have got to have a breakout from one of these guys, maybe even two of these guys. It seems like it's a rotating who is the top target every week. We need to have that consistent threat from somebody, and we have got to limit these drops. But I'm looking for some big yards after catch, uh, getting open and past the uh, secondary so you can hit that bomb and maybe put some of these uh, he-can't-throw-downfield questions to bed because we have him wide open. We've we've got to have something from this wide receiving core against this, uh, what is it? 125th ranked against the pass defense. We have got to have somebody step up and capitalize. It feels like it needs to be a collective effort. Whoever your leaders are in that room, it's it's time for them to have a conversation with that room. And and collectively, it's more shorthanded catches, you know, running crisper routes. And again, I'm going to say it again. It also falls on your quarterback to fling the freaking football and let these guys go get it for you. I I think we've missed on several explosive plays because Cam has underthrown a ball, you know, yeah. and, and several more that were incompletions. I mean, underthrows were still completions, but several more that were incompletions because you just don't fling it to a guy. So, hey, I like that point. What do you got for some final thoughts? Final thoughts are it's always harder to win on the road, and this team came up here and put it to us in the first half of last year, and it's an improved Georgia State team from what they were last year. So this is not going to be easy. And I think that we can still go down there and start to put some of these things together. Have still not played four straight quarters of Marshall football, putting it all together. And we're a scary good four and one team. So let's go down there get a victory on the road and come back here for what should be a big showdown against James Madison on a short week. But got to take care of business first. Let's go get it done down in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to echo all that, man. I, I think um, it's just time. It's just time to do it. You know, it, it, there's there's no more pussyfooting around. It's time to, to mean business for 60 minutes for the next seven weeks. That's it. And, and there's no there's no more. We got to let you know, we let the we wasted these drives. Oh, man, we didn't convert that third down. All that's done. It's done. If you want to win a championship, you got to start playing championship football, period. Take us out of here. Yeah, so whether you see us at the Cam, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us down in Atlanta taking care of business like we just talked about it, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's Thundercast. We're going to do our best to have a post-game spaces for you this week if you want to call in and vent your frustrations or preach the positive. Later. <laughs>